0: In today's episode of the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete Podcast, we're going to talk about how being a contrarian is going to help you be able to help your athletes see better results and performance. And we're going to use a couple different instances or things that are going on. First is we're going to talk a little bit about the current stock market. Yes, we're talking about investing just a little bit because we're seeing a huge spike in newcomers to day trading uh, on the Robinhood app or eTrade, whatever it may be, causing a large market fluctuation just as we would see in fitness when a new trend starts. We're gonna talk about the importance of principles and putting them together, as well as a resource for you to be able to learn from one of the best in the world in their field how to put together your own principles. Lastly, we're going to talk about how keeping it simple can really accelerate your progress, especially when it comes to contrarian thinking and asking yourself, is this really the best exercise or tool for this athlete right now? Okay, and how do I know that's true? Grab your favorite coffee in your favorite mug, find a comfortable chair and strap in because we're going to take you through the contrarian zone
1: world-leading strength coach for cyclists and triathletes, Menachem Brody.
0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the Strong, Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete Podcast. Today is episode 49, and we're going to talk about strength training and training in general for performance and how being a contrarian can help you to really push your athletes and your practice forward in allowing you to get the best results possible. Now, today's episode is based off of my experiences over the last 17 years or so, strength training for endurance athletes, as well as a number of top coaches, strength training, as well as uh, speed and power and performance in a number of other sports. So this isn't just me saying, hey, this is what's worked for me. This is looking at the trends for my mentors, uh, for their mentors, as well as a lot of other people the last, I don't know, 70 years in strength training for performance. The tough part for a lot of people is to buck the trends and go against what's popular at the time. So over the last couple of uh, decades, we've had a number of things come through, uh, fitness magazines, mass media, and now social media, Have led to your job as a coach to help your athletes have a solid and sound strength training program to really be challenged because the athletes or your clients are coming back saying, Hey, I saw this on social media. I saw this on Instagram. They have 57,000 followers and they look amazing. Uh, And here's what I want to do with my program instead of the boring stuff you're giving me. As coaches, we tend to give into that a little bit while well, we want to give them what they want. And clearly this person on social media must know what they're doing. If they have that many followers, right in the past, it was, well, clearly this person must know what they're doing because they work with this one or two uh, athletes or professionals who had great results. We need to be wary as consumers and especially as coaches. We are our athletes second biggest advocate. Why are we the second biggest advocate? because they should be their number one advocate. And not every athlete knows that. Not every client knows that. Sometimes they come to you and they say, I'm putting your hands. Whatever you'd like to do, whatever you think we need to do, that's what we're going to do, uh, because I have no idea what I need. And this is where you're a guide as a coach as well. Certainly, there are gonna be some athletes and clients who never really want to learn. They just wanna show up, put the work in, and go home. And that's totally fine. That just means your job as being the advocate becomes much more important and your ability to be able to tell your athletes or guide your clients to what they actually need, as well as giving them sound advice as to what or where to go. Being a contrarian is not easy. For example, nowadays here in 2020, we just had a large stock market, uh, essentially a crash here in March, and with the coronavirus, Everything is topsy-turvy. The economy is completely separated in the U.S. from the stock market. And now we have a ton of day traders who are going out, for example, and making a lot of money. And the markets are just crazy. If you follow people who have been trading with very high success for decades, they're all saying, this is not right, something is off. Uh, If you're an investor, beware. Make sure you're paying attention to what's going on. Make sure you're paying attention to to who's doing what with your money. And I'm not just talking about Warren Buffett. I'm talking about Ray Dalio. If you haven't heard of Ray Dalio as a coach, I strongly recommend you pick up his book. Yes, he's based on investing and he's one of the most successful uh, investors of all time. He runs uh, Bridgewater, uh, which is an investment firm out of uh, uh, Connecticut, if I'm not mistaken. And his book is absolutely fantastic uh it's called principles it's uh you can actually get a free copy over on his website at principles.com and it's just a fantastic book because it talks about the importance of building principles looking back on your own personal uh journey and what's worked for you and, and what those principles are that allow you to stick uh, and see continued success and to know what is going to get you there now ray is not the only investor that is saying, hey, you really need to be aware and and don't go out and dump all this money into the market, even though it's going up. We saw the market drop down, uh, what was it, 20% or so, and now it's climbed back up and a lot of people are saying, oh, well, everything's fine. I'm making money off of this. Uh, Hertz, for example, went bankrupt and there's lots of people who are day trading it, essentially hoping that they won't be the last person holding the bag when everything falls out and it goes to zero because the company has announced bankruptcy. So that stock is going to be worth nothing, Uh, but people are trading it and it's actually skyrocketed 500 or 700% in value. Why am I talking about stock market? and uh, businesses when we're here to talk about strength training, because this is the most prime example of the importance of being a contrarian. We have Warren Buffett, Ray Dalio, uh, Bill Ackman. If you're familiar with investing, these are big names. Uh, we have Phil Town of Rule One Investing, all saying, don't go in, It's don't do it right now, just wait. And we have all these other people. What's popular right now. Hey, get onto Robinhood. go, go start trading on uh, TD Ameritrade, go start trading on E-Trade. You need to start getting into the stock market. It's picking up. It's going to get faster. There are people in the, uh, in the media who are going out and saying, Warren Buffett doesn't know what he's doing. I've been doing this and seeing massive success for the last three months. And I know better than Warren Well, Warren Buffett's been doing it for 60 something years. Uh, so this is the exact same thing that goes on in fitness. The difference is, is that one, it doesn't have a, a huge impact uh, economically on, on, on people around the world. I mean, that's not going to end well, the way it's going right now. I hope I'm wrong. And I hope that it's just a soft landing. Uh, but when it comes to fitness, it's a stark reality that when you think of it that way, you're like, wow, that actually makes sense. You look at a number of these Instagram um, fitness trainers, and they're highly popular, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 followers, 100,000 followers. And they make these programs because that is their brand. And then you have all of these people, a lot of these people getting injured because there are, you know, uh, I won't name by, by name, but there was a specific trainer in particular that I know of, uh, that I became aware of because i I'm pretty focused on glutes. If you haven't met me for the last 15, 18 years, since my back and hip pain issues back in 2005, 2006, I've been very focused on glutes and i been preaching to cyclists and triathletes and runners and anybody who will listen that glutes are the way to go. Well, uh, there was a celebrity trainer who had like 300 or 400,000 followers and she had great glutes. So she came up with these five to seven programs and put them on, get great glutes like me. And you watch her program and she's going through and doing all this stuff. And I'm watching this as a trainer and I'm like, man, this is not that. No, this, this is just going to do harm. We're going to have knee and back issues. And there was one day where I just happened to be perusing Instagram in between, uh, clients. And there was a picture of her, her older sister, her younger sister, and her mom. And it's genetic. <laughs> her glutes are genetic. She can work out all she wants, but as long as she's eating what she needs to and keeping her body fat down, she's going to have great glutes. And lo and behold, I started digging a little bit more. And in fact, there were small little uh, communities of people who had done her program uh, and had gotten hurt from the program. And, you know, they just see it as, oh, I must have done something wrong. So This is not to call out that specific person because there's a number of them. There have been some lawsuits that have been going up because uh, Instagram uh, fit pros, quote unquote, who have no certification, who have no right to teach what they're teaching, uh, putting out programs and people getting really hurt. So why is this all important? Why am I going off about the stock market and Instagram influencers? Because when we look at fitness. There are going to be trends. Oftentimes, they're going to be dictated by trend setters. In the past, this has been mass media, such as uh, magazines, such as, uh, you know, if you remember uh, Tony Tony Blank's, Tybo. There's nothing, I have nothing wrong with, with Tybo. I'm just giving that as an example. Uh, you had the gazelle. There are all these different things that are going on that are going to be trends. Your job as a coach is to recognize what is and is not useful. And this is not, again, not a a knock against the gazelle. That has been useful for one of my clients because it was low impact. uh, It was affordable for them uh, and allowed them to learn balance and be able to move better without having to buy a really expensive elliptical. So there is certainly, and it depends, there is a time and a place for almost everything. While we as coaches are looking at right now, strength training for cycling and triathlon, I'm going to say this, I'm going to put my stake in the ground uh, even harder, and I'm going to put it out here for everybody to hear, not just for those of you who are coming to seminars or webinars. There are many coaches, cycling and triathlon coaches, who are giving strength training programs who have no right to give strength training advice. I'm going to say it again. There are cycling and triathlon coaches out there are giving strength training programs who have zero zip zilch right to give strength training programs just because you took a weekend course or an especially an online course and you haven't gone and spent at least three months of three days a week four hours a day of those three days in a gym learning from another trainer you have no right essentially it's an internship is what i'm talking about You have no right to give strength training programs if you're a cycling or triathlon coach just because you saw something online. Controversial, perhaps. As you can hear, I'm getting worked up as I talk about this. I'm gonna keep it professional. But here is why there are certain coaches who have zero right. Just because something worked for you does not mean it's the right tool or the appropriate thing for your athlete. Just because something looks cool does not mean that you should give it to them just because it will address the thing you think it will is not the right exercise for them. There is a certain amount of knowledge and experience that needs to go in before you go and start saying, Oh, well, I'll give you a strength and conditioning plan or I'll give you a strength training program. Sure. No problem. Squats and lunges and deadlifts. Stop. Stop. Just stop. Just stop. Okay. Here's why. If you can't do an internship, some of you may say, well, this guy is off his rocker. I've, I'm, this is my first podcast listening to him. Who is this guy? Who can? Who is he that he can say this? I've been in the health and fitness industry for almost 25 years. Okay, I, I have seen my fair share of bad trainers, and there are a lot of them out there. And the worst ones tend to be those who are sports coaches, basketball coaches, volleyball coaches, uh, who think they... Know what the athlete needs because they see the sports side of things. I've been in basketball almost oof, almost 30 years. And there are a lot of really bad, really great basketball coaches, I should say, but really bad at the physical side of things. Running, basketball skills, sprinting, they're pretty damn good. They're in fact they're really good. But when it comes to the strength training, like all oh, the the players need to be able to do 15 push-ups at the age of 12. Awful technique. It doesn't matter to them. They did 12 push push-ups, Squats. They need to do squats. The heels coming off the floor going off. It doesn't matter. They need to go through that. Okay. So let's dive into this a little bit more. So let's say you have, you've done, let's say the NSCS, uh, CPT, certified personal trainer or the uh, American council on exercise certified personal trainer, ACE, CPT. Does that mean that you're not qualified to do strength training with your athletes? No. If you can't get an internship, does that mean that you're not qualified to work with your athletes? No. What it does mean is you have just shown others that you are invested in learning about strength training. Finishing a certification, including mine, finishing a certification does not mean that you know what you everything you need to. It means that you have a foundation of knowledge in order to move forward. That's it. Now, the thing that we need to be very clear about here is that as you go through and program strength training, young trainers, and young as in how many years or how many days or months or hours that you've been training, tend to be very swayed by, by the trends that are popular at the day. How do I know this? Because I am 100% guilty of this myself. 100%. I'm not going to sit here and point fingers at somebody else, because that means I'm thrice guilty. So I'm not sitting here saying that you should not be giving strength training programs to your athletes and then saying, well, I was giving them since the beginning. I did, but I had mentors. I checked the program with someone else. I went to other trainers and said, Hey, what do you think of this program? You've seen me train this individual. What do you think? And some of the trainers like, "Why, why would I help you? Thankfully, I was at a a great facility out of Pittsburgh at the Jewish Community Center, the JCC there, and had some really, really amazing bosses. You know, I worked there since I was uh, 14, I think, uh, and then in the weight room since I was 17. Um, But I had fantastic bosses, fantastic resources. Lots of other trainers are very open to helping, and you'd be surprised. And it doesn't mean that what they say is right. It's an opinion. I can think of two or three professionals that I, I kept on going to And at one point I was like, you know, I'm just going to pay you for your time because I just really want to get your opinion on this. And they're like, you know what? I appreciate that you're asking me for this. And then they started asking me about their clients. That's how you begin to learn and master strength training. However, when it comes to cycling and triathlon as coaches, much of us tend to be very, very solitary. I can't, I can't share this. Don't tell anybody. It's my trade secret. Nobody else knows about this. Come on, man. We, We are all family here. And if someone really is backstabbing and and is gonna go out and burn you and use your stuff without giving you credit, what goes around comes around, right? I've been in this game long enough. I went through that phase of everything is mine. Don't tell anybody. Nobody else knows about glutes. This is our secret. Shh, really? Come on, man. (laughs) Now, at the same time, we also need to respect copyright, right, and trademark. And oftentimes i found with the best trainers, and the best uh professionals in the world you can give them credit or not if you're going to you know straight off rip them off then of course you need to give credit if you're going to record yourself and whatever you need to let people know where you got that from right and for the most part you know it's simple hey i learned about this from dan john i picked this up from lauren landau Uh, i picked this up it's simple and guess what you're the person in front of them Nine times out of 10, they're not gonna go out and leave you for this other person. And in fact, if you're working with cyclists and triathletes, I can pretty much uh, tell you that eight times out of 10, the other trainer is not gonna be interested. Or they're so busy doing what they do in their niche or with their clients, they're not necessarily looking for new people. And if that person does decide to leave you, great. That means that it wasn't a great fit for you. That's okay. There's lots of people out there who you can and will train by focusing on what you do best. Now let's kind of tie this all together, right? So we went through, we talked about the investing. We talked about being a contrarian at the beginning. We talked about Instagram or social influencers and their workout plans and how that doesn't end well. We talked about here, the importance of just because you have a certification, including mine, including the strength training for cyclist certification. I'm not going to sit here and say, Oh, my certification is better. No, it's just, it shows your clients that you have a foundation of knowledge. The best, Courses, the best certifications out there, why are they the best? Because the resources are really good. You're getting high quality information that is applicable and it's updated. I have never taken a certification or an online course that did not get updated, whether it was the course resources, Uh, sometimes it's a foundational course, so the foundations don't change that much. You know, the Strength Training for Cycling Success course and the Strength Training for Triathlon Success course, I have over on Training Peaks that's foundational. 98% of that, 99% of that in 10, 15, 20 years from now is going to be about the same. The things that may change are the science behind it. And there may be small bits and pieces as, as to what we may change, depending on the program orientation or the sets and repetitions. But for the most part, for the last hundred years, well, 80 years, that stuff has all stayed the same, right? We've understood better, you know, lactic acid is not, the limiter it's the hydrogen ions but the lactate threshold intervals can still be appropriate in order to train that but we just understand more now when it comes to being contrarian for strength training this is where we're going to start we're going to start with the foundations and understand the foundations are the foundations sets and repetitions the rep ranges are all going to kind of get mashed and jumbled. And, you know, the, what, what do I want to do if I want to put on uh, muscle mass? Five sets of five, bro. That's the power lifter. Well, guess what? You look at the bodybuilders. You got to do four sets, of 15, and then you got to do a burnout set as much as you can. And you got to really focus on that specific muscle. Which one is right? It depends. What type of hypertrophy do you want? Do you want to look big and puffy and intimidating? Or do you want to be big and strong? What about for our cyclist? Well, it depends. How does that individual respond? Where are they in the training year? During the, the base period of riding? Yeah, maybe we will do five sets of five. Okay. What about during the season? We're probably gonna do two sets of four because you still need that max strength, but we don't want to make you super sore. Well, what if the athlete gets really sore? Oh, that's a good question. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to check and see what works for this athlete and where their training volume is. How well are they recovering what's going on in their life it depends this is where bucking the trend and working against what people tend to do and the biggest one for cycling and triathlon coaches is by far base period is strength training time of year you can do it through build and then you need to cut it if you want to build legitimate performance gains through your strength training you need to do it in season and you have to find what works for that individual on that day at that time great example I have a 54 year old male we've been working together almost a year at this point so we started midseason last year and uh, he started off we went through the the initial body weight movements so we got him a little bit stronger a lot more stable and then we got into the gym uh, for fall and a lot of that was based off of his needs so he didn't need the gym at the beginning we did stuff at home then we needed the gym we headed to the gym corona hit we adjusted we got bands and kettlebells some other stuff at home now he's mid-season so mid season uh high ride volume high ride intensity we got him to the point where we got it down to i want to say around two thousand four hundred pounds he was moving through his sessions the total volume and we were good for about a week or two, and then we started doing a little bit more posterior chain stuff because we started to notice that he's starting to get really rounded forward, and he just got super sore. He was like, look, I, I needed to skip Monday's workout because it was just too much. Okay, let's adjust it. We adjust it. How was it? Well, I wasn't as sore, but I didn't have that pop on the bike. I'm going to take next week, and we're going to do a deload week, uh, and then we'll revisit. Okay, let's do that. We do a deload week, uh, really dial stuff back, go through each of the fundamental 5 plus 1 movements, And he feels great. He's like, I set a second best all time for two of my numbers and I'm feeling way fresher on the bike. I I wanna go to maintenance and really dial down what I'm doing uh, instead of just quitting. Then we have the conversation. Well, if we go to maintenance, you're gonna lose the exact results that you're getting. The reason you're putting those power out now is because we trained the max strength, because we trained that as you went through and where you are on your cycle. We still have got three more weeks. So if you'd like to go to maintenance now, we can, but this is where we get a lot of the benefits. Contrarian, isn't it? I'm not going to just put him into maintenance because it's in season. We've got We've got to follow the plan and adjust the plan as he goes through. So we adjusted it last week, a little bit better, feeling a lot better on the bike. His workout was a total of five movements and he's doing two sets of each. That's it that is it how contrarian is that instead of oh, it's mid-season oh he's sore I, I need to cut it out i can't i can't do it i can't put that time in of course it depends but you've got to be able to work inside your own ecosystem while being aware of what's out there as opposed to just going with what everybody else is doing that's one of the biggest problems we've had with strength training for cyclists my book that I wrote, the Vortex Method, uh, was written, half of it was written in 2010, excuse me, 2012, my apologies, 2012, and I, I went back and I rewrote it when I tore up my ankle in 2014, December, I went back and rewrote it, and it sat there, I didn't publish it for two reasons, one, because cyclists were so far from strength training like, this is after uh, Tom Danielson's Core Advantage came come out. It was just so apparent to me that, that people weren't ready to hear it yet. I could put it out there, but it's just not going to take off. Now, in retrospect, it would have been better to be early and get the right information, and the good information to people, rather than now having the uphill battle of, hey, y- you got to stop just doing strength training, squats and lunges and, and deadlifts and, and planks. But the point is, is that to be contrarian, that's where the performance gains came. That's where everything came from. And the same thing with research. I was starkly, starkly, show me the research and then we'll do it in our training. For the first four to six years as a trainer. Yeah, first three or four years, I should say, actually. What happened? I started looking for research. I was working with more and more cyclists and less and less gen pop. I was working with basketball players. And then I got to the point where I'm like, man, there's no research to support strength training for cyclists during the season. But I know it works. We've done it. We've done it. And then I started to question it. And one of my mentors said, how does the whole research process go? So I went back to my research in sports science from college. I went back through my course notes. My wife finally made me throw them away. uh, Most of them (laughs) when we moved. Uh, But I still had most of my college notebooks uh, up until about a year ago. Uh, and i still have the core of them (laughs) uh as as we went through or i went through i started to realize holy cow the research first they have to get uh a hypothesis then they need to get the funding so it needs to get approved then they need to get it through the irb then they need to start to find participants from the time it's it's drawn let's say it's fast-tracked right not Corona fast track, because that's a, a very special, but let's say it's fast track. That is a year and a half to two years just to get the research study started. Year and a half, let's say a year maybe to get the research study started. Then they need to go through and they need to analyze, let's say another three to six months. And then it needs to be peer reviewed and then published. So we're talking about, let's say fastest ever, maybe a year and a half. That means what they were studying is now two years old at that point, a year and a half old. And when do they come up with the hypothesis? They're looking for things that they can easily prove or disprove. And this is where the research bias, you can go back and listen to the the podcast about that. So if I'm going based off of the research, number one, there has to be someone who's interested in asking this. So Asker Chukendrup is a great name for caffeine and sports performance. Uh, a lot of his stuff was really, really groundbreaking. And he was asking these questions from many years ago. And he went back through some of his notebooks and found this, uh, as far as I remember from his uh, presentation at the uh, USA, NSCA rather, uh, back in 2008, I think I saw him, 2009 maybe, or no, ACSM, sorry. And uh, whatever year it was in Philadelphia. Um, and the thing about it is, is that when you look at this and you consider what the researchers are actually researching, most of it, you know, if you're going based off of research, you're five, you're maybe 10, easily five years behind the best practices of what the top coaches in the world are doing right now, because it takes that long for the trickle down effect. So this is the other thing with the contrarian, the train by science. I'm going to train everything based off of scientific research. There's so many limitations to research. There's also a lot of good things. You have to know how to understand how to read the research article. Hint, it's not from beginning to end. Again, we have a whole podcast on that. You can go back. It's uh, episode 40, 41 or 42, something like that. Um, as you go through and you're looking at training by science, sure, that's nice. Cool. All right, great. Okay, some of the stuff is going to be cutting edge. Okay. Okay. Instead of waiting for the research to come out, how about going, spending a weekend, well, now it's a little bit difficult, but how about going and spending a weekend with a top coach in, your, in that specific field? Just ask them, hey, I'd really love to come by uh, and shadow you for, for a day. Can we make that happen? You would be surprised as to the answers you get. I'm not going to spoil the surprise, but you would be very surprised at what the true top coaches in the world will say to you when you ask them that. You'll be floored. As I was when I started doing that and I kind of got addicted and I still am, you know, this summer, I'm like, man, shoot, how the heck, where am I going to go? I can't go anywhere. I've got to, I've got to find somebody to learn from here. That's safe. So there's so much that goes into to strength training for cycling and triathlon and, and how you need to buck the trends. So let's kind of uh, wrap up today into a nice five minute or less uh, consolidated how to be a contrarian for best practices. We've talked about investing and how that's a really great uh, comparison of current day, following trends and just going with what everybody's doing. And it's not going to end well because there's a lot of people, you know, blind leading the blind or new leading the new, (laughs) which is not going to end well. It's the same thing with fitness, just because someone has 25 or 30,000 followers doesn't mean the information they have is good, or the programs they have is going to work. So you need to be very critical of who you're getting the information from and be a real gatekeeper. Now, there are times when you go to these top coaches and find people who are really leading the field, there are going to be times where you're going to go, that doesn't make sense to me. And then you have to take the step back and say, why doesn't it make sense to me? What am I missing here? Right? What am I missing here? So for me, I started talking uh, with some of my athletes about stop the compression boots. Just don't even go there. You're, you're not even close to it. We're talking about, you know, uh, amateur athletes. Uh, we're talking about high school level basketball players. Oh, I need the compression boots. Oh, I need an ice bath. The more you use those things, the worse and less effective they're going to be for you. So it's not going to help you in the long run because you're using it too often. You don't really need them that much. And in fact, the $4,000 or $2,000, whatever it is now, would be better invested in a dietitian, in more sessions uh, with me, or less sessions with me, and a home program, and then you see a physical therapist or a muscle activation technique specialist. Uh, There are other ways to spend the money that will be far better for your recovery. And some people, the answer is, take the money and go on a really nice two-week vacation somewhere really nice. doesn't have to be super lavish, but take it and go on vacation somewhere instead of continuing to run on this treadmill of stress going over and over and over, take your wife for a nice weekend. Go to bed and breakfast, take the kids to your in-laws and just go away for a weekend. That will do far more for a lot of people's recovery than buying these $2,000 boots and they would have an an extra $1,500 they can spend. So that's number one. Just because it's popular doesn't mean it's the right tool for you or your athletes, as well as the, it's not the right direction for you to go. Number two is you need to think critically. You really need to dig down. I had an Instagram post last week where I talked about uh, how important it is um, to dig deep. So I was in an interaction. I was talking in direct message with uh, one of the Instagram followers here that I have. Uh, so social media can be both good and bad. I don't have tens of thousands of followers. It's been very slowly growing as people take my courses, my programs, uh, read my blog posts, uh, see my YouTube videos, listen to this podcast. It's slowly growing. And there's a lot of interaction. So one of them said, hey, I really, really want you to send me a couple books on biomechanics. I see the post you have today about uh, the two McGill books. Um, Send me all of your notes on biomechanics. So I said to her, why do you want me to send my notes on biomechanics? well, I really need to study biomechanics. I I have uh, a a need. I really need to learn more. So okay. And I sent her two books. And uh, she said, well, I have that one book. Uh, I'll get the other one. And I said, well, have you read it? Yeah, I've read it. Do you really deeply understand it? How many times have you been through that book? Oh, I read it. Okay. Is it dog-eared? Do you have highlights? Do you have a notebook full of notes? Are you writing in the margins? No, why would I do that? because you need to truly understand something at a deep level. Reading the book is not enough. You need to go through it, you've gotta write notes, put in your thoughts, take notebooks. The, The best books that you find on training or training related, you should have to buy a new one when a new edition comes out, and or when the pages are falling out and you've written so much in the margins you can't put your new stuff in it. And that doesn't mean you throw out the old one, it means usually you keep it so you can reference back to where you were back then. So I'm at the point where a couple of the books, the McGill book, the uh, Ultimate Back in Fitness uh, for Performance, I think it's called, uh, I had to get, uh, got the sixth edition, but the fourth edition, I had a bunch of pages fall out. Uh, there were a couple of them that were written so much on that that I didn't have any space, so I have written on the back cover. There's all these different things. So if you would really like to understand performance, be a contrarian. Don't go out and read more and more and more and more books. I'm not saying don't read these other books. I'm saying take a break from the book that you're diving deep in and read 20 minutes of another one. Read a chapter from another one. Then come back to the book that you're really getting good at. So in this example, uh, I recommended uh, Thomas Myers Anatomy Trains, which talks about the fascial system, which is a, a great place for you to be able to understand how muscles relate. This ties back to, I think on a previous podcast, or uh, I was guest on a podcast, I can't remember, but I told the story about how there was a trainer in the gym that I work at where she had this uh, elbow pain. So I offered to help her. I said, look, this is this is what I do. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I know. Okay, what do you want me to do? You know, take a look i took a look and i did a quick assessment a little bit of movement assessment a little bit of uh, um, um, tactile so checking you know checking the different muscle tension seeing what she's doing and i said her your, your problem's not in your elbow it's in your shoulder no 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 it's in my elbow just um that one spot you pressed if you can press it again you know it felt good i pressed it again she said "Oh, okay that feels better i said okay here's what you need to do here's the four exercises and the however many correctives or stretch whatever it was Three weeks later, she has a, a tennis elbow brace that she put on. She's like, yeah, you know, this is making it feel better. And I said, that's not the problem. You're And I said, how's the pain? She said, it's worse than it was before, but this really helps. You've gotta be a contrarian into being able to dive deeper. So in this specific instance, I said, okay, uh, follow what I gave you or see a physical therapist because the problem is not in your elbow. So she wound up going to a physical therapist and following, uh, similar approach, but different, uh, two of the exercises were, were the same. And, you know, she didn't connect the dots and that's okay. I just said, Oh, well, well what the physical therapist give me this, 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 and this, Oh, do you see how that's related? No. Um, it's just, they, they gave me stuff for my elbow. Be a contrarian. <laughs> Find what works for that athlete. So I did a poor job of connecting with that athlete of saying, instead of saying it's a shoulder problem, saying, yeah, you're right, it is an elbow problem. Here's how we're going to treat it. You have to be a contrarian. You have to be able to go against your own biases to allow the athlete to connect with what you're giving to them to be able to get better. So I was not a contrarian. I didn't make the connection of going, you're right, it is an elbow problem. So here's the exercises we're going to do for your elbow And then proceed to give her the same exercises and still refer her to a physical therapist so be a contrarian with yourself and that leads us to number three and that is build your principles and then be a contrarian again against yourself okay i know that principle number one is x y and z how do i know that that is true and then disprove it if you can That doesn't mean go out and take some athletes and do half and half where you're going completely against what you believe and what you understand and then injure them. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that when you're building the programs, you should always put the exercise down and ask yourself, can I go against this? Is this in fact the best exercise? And if you keep going down this hole of fancier stuff and they're on the pita pad or they're split squat and keep it simple. That leads us to number four, and that is keep it simple, be a contrarian. And this is something that you'll learn as you go through the process of strength training and coaching athletes. Keep it simple. I went through the process myself. Oh, we need this and that, and complex, blah, 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 blah. As I go back and look at my training programs, I have all of my training logs. So I have the last 28 years of training logs. <laughs> as I look through those, Uh, actually, it's twenty twenty six years. Sorry, as I look through those, the the workouts that I put together around year three, with the simple ones, are actually pretty darn good. There's a couple things I change, the loading scheme or the rest periods. For the most part, those are pretty solid programs. Don't get stuck in the thought process of complex is better. Keep it simple. You can't do all of the fundamental five plus one in one. One single session. It's not possible. You can touch on them, but you can't put a lot of load on them. Number, I think, five here is going to be go against the trends. And I know we talked about this as number one go against the trends, the day traders and this and that. But we're going to stress it again. And what I mean by go against the trends is that you should be very critical of them. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't try it. You can try it yourself. I wouldn't try it on an athlete who you're not familiar with, or you don't know they can't handle those stresses, be aware of what's out there, but there really is nothing new under the sun. There's a number of books that I have. Some of them are out of print. Uh, Some that I like to get that were written and printed in the 1940s that are fantastic training books and still 100% relative. And very, very good when you look at the information that's out there. And only now, you know, 80 years later is science proving why those methods work. Not that they work, why they work. So we're beginning to understand them. Don't fall for the new flashy is the most up to date and every, keep it simple. There it is again. And make sure that you're being very critical uh, and asking, what am I missing here? And this includes the things where you're like, the shake weight, wow, that's a piece of garbage. Maybe, what am I missing here? The body blade, that's a piece of crap. Is it? What am I missing here? When could I possibly use that? And then you'll begin to understand, hey, you know what? For this one instance that will happen, maybe that might be a great tool, but that's it. Looking to lose fat? Please don't. Looking to get active and the shake weight's going to be the trigger because you saw the ad and you're hyped up about it? Great. Let's start with that. Absolutely. Let's start off with a shake weight with five minutes. And then we're going to get into squats and deadlifts. And then you slowly phase it out. That was the key for them to enter. And that leads us to number six. The certifications or courses are a key for you to enter. It's a door for you to enter into the palace, a grand palace of training and coaching others. Be mindful. Keep it simple. If your athlete or client can't do a basic front plank properly, then they have no right in trying to do a reverse fly in one hand with their feet up on a box or a bench in a full plank position with their butt moving all over. Keep it simple. Focus on the fundamentals. Master movements. Master breathing. Master learning how to write a simple and effective program. The more simple it is, the more complex it is. And this is the whole continuum that Bruce Lee kind of talks about is, you know, as you begin to learn, you learn one kick and you get really good at it and you master it. And then you begin to think, oh, I need 15 kicks. And you start going down that, and then you come back to the realization of that one kick a thousand times. And then at the end, in the simplicity, it's mastering that one kick with the 17 different ways to deliver that kick in a way that is going to be devastating. Of course, that's not the Bruce Lee quote, and I'm not saying it is, but that's the idea of it, is when you begin, you think a punch is a punch, a kick is a kick. Then you begin to think a punch is more than a punch, a kick is more than a kick. Then you begin to think, how do I make this kick more than a kick and a punch more than a punch? And then you come back as a master and you realize a kick is a kick, a punch is a punch. It's the same thing here. Keep it simple, be a contrarian, don't go with the flow just because be critical of it, but also be open and always be willing to say, I don't know. That's a great question. Let me find out for you. That's the part that a lot of coaches miss. Beginner coach thinks they don't know any answers An intermediate, you know, you're doing it for two to four years. You think you have all the answers. A true expert is someone who can say, I don't know. What I can tell you is, this is my experience, let me go learn a little bit more, check into that and see. And they can also say, you know what? I don't know the answer. I'm not the right person for that. Try this person. And they don't have that ego standing in the way of referring someone out. That's it for today's podcast. I hope you found it to be very uh, intriguing and thought provoking. There are a little bit of rifts in there. I know you're thinking, you know, investing, what the, if you stuck with me to the end, you kind of see it all relates back together don't be like those day traders out there right now saying Warren Buffett doesn't know what he's doing. I'm highly successful. He has no clue. I'm better than Warren Buffett. you have been doing this for three months or three years. Warren's been doing it for 60. So be aware, be very uh, wary of those trainers and coaches out there saying, I'm new out here and I know everything that I need to know. And new is relative, you know, three to five years. Make sure you're asking the tough questions. Look for good resources. Find what makes sense to you, what works for you ask why or why not, it may may or may not be true, and make sure that you're keeping an open mind and continuing to learn. Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast here. If you can leave us a five-star review, it would be greatly appreciated, as well as sharing the podcast. We are quickly growing thanks to you guys, as well as to the topics that we're covering here. We're going to have more expert guests coming up, as well as listener questions. So I'm looking forward to hearing from you. If you'd like to email me your question or have some thoughts from today's episode or other past episodes, feel free to email me, via as in boy, R-O-D as in dog, I-E, at humanvortextraining.com. Lastly, if you'd like to sign up for the newsletter, you can do so over on the Human Vortex Training website, humanvortextraining.com. Until next time, remember, train smarter, not harder, because it is all about you.
1: That's it for this episode of the Strong, Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete Podcast with world-leading strength coach for cyclists and triathletes, Menachem Brody. Don't miss an episode. Hit that subscribe button and give us a review. For more exclusive content, visit humanvortextraining.com or get the latest expert videos from Coach Brody on the HVT YouTube channel at H B Training. Until next time. Remember to train smarter, not harder, because it is all about you.